our brand new home, baby. Listen, God gave me something today, and I'm going to share it to you. God gave me something today, and I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. It has nothing to do with my sermon. I was like, God, why the heck did you give me this? It was for this. You know, the story of Jesus is a story so brutal. It's a story so graphic. It's a story so bloody and so crazy that if you think about it from a logic perspective, how can a story so, so, so evil, so disgusting, so blurry, so bloody can inspire how can a story so nasty and so excruciating, how can a picture so diminishing can inspire millions and millions and millions of people? From a logic perspective, it does not. From a personal perspective, it does not. So if you're here and you don't understand how can so many people honor and glorify this story, then it's okay. I understand you. I'm going to tell you why you don't understand it. You don't understand it because you don't know what it really means. It doesn't give you goosebumps every time that you hear the word Jesus because you don't know what it really means. And when, if, when somebody speaks the name of Jesus and somebody speaks the word of God, it doesn't drive you crazy and make you want to go crazy. Then you should take a look at that. You should take a look at that. Because for those of us that understand for those of us that, 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 even if you're not an unbeliever, for those of us that listen to the word of Jesus, go crazy, is because we have found something deeper than the surface. I'm going to tell you where I'm going with all this. I'm going to tell you where I'm going with all this. Whenever you see new shirts, and whenever you see a new stage, and whenever you see a new platform and a new logo, if it doesn't make you want to go crazy, it's because you don't really understand what's happening behind the surface. Let me tell you what this means to me. Let me tell you what this means to pastor, just in case you don't get it. We are in the beginning of a revival for this town. So how many of you are enjoying our new revival start? How many of you are going crazy for a new revival in this town that starts with you and with me? We're coming, baby. This is iChurch, and we're coming. Look at three people besides you and tell them, get ready, ba-boom, get ready, ba-boom, get ready, ba-boom. It's the beginning of a revival. This is the beginning of a revival. Man, let's preach, let's preach, let's get this started. You guys ready? You guys ready? I need to feel some energy in the house. You guys ready? Let's get this started. I'm going to go straight to the point. I'm going to go straight to the point. The beginning of the sermon is now. So if I say something, you're like, what the heck? Yes, yeah, because it's the beginning. At the beginning, I can say whatever I want. Here we go. I love and I believe that it's necessary to have either ors. Say with me, either ors. Either ors, my people. Michael Jackson had it right. It's black, it's white. That rhyme right there, y'all got that? That seemed intensely intentional. Michael Jackson had it right. It's black, it's white. I was trying to think about another rhyme, but I got nothing else. I'm a preacher. It's black, it's white. Fifty Shades of Grey messed us up. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey. It is not Fifty Shades of Grey. It is not gray. The more gray that you accept in your life, the more messed up that you're going to be. And I understand how difficult that is. 
to hear from a guy with a gray shirt and some gray shoes and a gray altar. I understand that. But you got to think deeper. I'm not talking about the actual gray. We love gray. I'm talking that the more you accept, the more you embrace the color gray, the more you embrace that this is not bad and this is not good, the more you embrace being lukewarm is the more in trouble that you will be because either ors make life better. Either ors make life more beautiful, even if your either or is the wrong side. Even if the either or is the wrong side, it makes your life better. Are you kidding me? You're saying that it's better for me to be worse? You're saying that it's better for me to be all in doing messed up stuff than to being in between Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, because you are gray, because you are not either or, this is crazy. Neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. In the Spanish, I like it way better because it says, I'm about to puke you out of my mouth because you taste bad. You are not either. You are not or. You're slapping the middle. You're gray. It's okay if I sleep with this girl. It's okay if I sleep with that guy. It's okay if I smoke this or I do this or I cheat in my taxes or I don't give my, listen, listen, listen. It's okay. It's okay. You are gray and you will be puked out of his mouth. James chapter 1 verse 8, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Such a person is double-minded and it's unstable. Because they come here to the church. That's why, you know, you know why I appreciate unchurched so much? It's because they are either or. They are either or. And they come to this church searching for something deeper. They come and they look for Christ searching for something deeper with an honest, open heart. Not as a hypocrite. Either or. Not great. And your life is going to be so much easier. How many of you have girlfriends or a wife in this room? Raise your hand. Girlfriends or wife or dating. We're just talking. Yeah, whatever. Whatever that means. Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your hand. No problem. You're one of the few. <laughs> raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. So that was all the men. Your either or will make your life better with your woman. Okay? Whenever you want to go somewhere to eat, don't say where do you want to eat. Uh-uh. You will waste your life, your saliva, your time. It is a disgrace to ask a woman where do you want to eat. Nuh-uh. Either or will make your life easier. What do you mean? Tell her. Either McDonald's or Burger King. That is it. You choose. There's no other thing you could do. Either Fruit Loops or Rice Krispies. Right, baby? Fruit Loops or Rice Krispies. And for a Puerto Rican, every cereal is cornflake. That's what we call it. Cornflake. Cornflake. We're all my Puerto Rican in the house. There is no. Go buy me some Rice Krispies. Go buy me some Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> Buy me the conflé of Flintstones. My wife turns at me. That's not cornflakes. That's cereal. Conflé. <laughs> That's what that is. Because we are not either. We are either or. You make a decision. And the biggest, biggest, biggest either or that you will ever face in your life. The biggest either or from the minute that you're born to the minute that you die. The biggest either or. Say with me, the biggest. Biggest. Come on, do it. The biggest. Biggest. The biggest either or ever will be that in this life you will either bring glory to this world or you will bring glory to God. 
not both, not half and half. I'm going to repeat that. You will either bring glory to this world in your lifetime, or you will bring glory to God. You know what glory is? It's so hard for people to put some words on glory. Am I right? So hard. It's like beauty. Beauty is beauty. How, how, do you, how do you put beauty into words without using the word beauty? I got a good one for you. Next week, think about it. Write it down. I bet you none of you will get the answer. How do you do that? It's so hard to put words into something so simple yet so profound. What is glory? I started thinking about this, and I started praying, and Pastor Carlos has the best, your best description that I've ever heard in words. Glory is a praise given by a capability. Glory is a praise given by a capability. You cannot attain glory if you do not have the capability. Whenever you are in the Olympics, the person that gets the glory, the person that gets to the last floor on the top is the person that had the capability to beat everybody else. So if you don't have the capability to have a marriage, you will never have a glorious marriage. If you don't have the capability to preach, you will never be a glorious preacher. You will never have or attain that praise, that high, intense praise because of the capability that you have. Why is it so important? Because in your life, with what you do, you're going to either be, oh, this is good. You're going to either be praising the world for what the world can do in you, or you will be praising God for what God has done in you. Come on. When you look at yourself in the mirror, if the world has done a number on you, if you are in deep, intense depression, if you are in deep, intense confusion, if you are in deep, which we all go through, but if you're constantly in the same position, in the same spot, doing the same crap, all you're doing is bringing glory, bringing praise to the world, bringing praise to Satan and his demons. Because you are saying you are capable to mess me up. You have the praise of doing a number in my head that you have me so confused. You have me so depressed. You have me so messed up. You are capable. And you, I give you the glory of doing this in me. That's what you do with your actions. Nobody likes that. That's too intense. That's too deep. What are you talking about? What I'm saying is that if the devil has had the capability to mess you up and put you in the ground and keep you in the ground, you are bringing him glory as long as you are in the ground. Everybody from a distance will know that the devil beat you. Are you saying that none of us can get knocked down with it? Mm -mm. Are you saying that none of us can go through struggles? Mm -mm. I'm saying that when you fight the devil, the Bible says that the winner will be the one that grabs the other one by the neck puts him in the ground, and leaves him in the ground. It says that, that our fight is not against flesh stuff. Our fight is against demons. And the only winner of that fight is the one that grabs him by the neck, puts him in the floor, and keeps him in the floor. And if the devil decides to put you in the floor and you don't fight, if the devil decides to put you in the floor and you don't, you don't do anything, he had the capability to knock you down. And then God creates a church called iChurch. 
a church called iChurch that what it does is that when you're in the floor and it's holding you down, you decide to come to church and you start getting up and telling the devil, uh-uh. You decide to start reading your Bible and you tell your devil, uh-uh. You decide to start praying and you tell your Bible, uh-uh. You decide to start fighting back and you will raise up and then your life will be a representation of God's glory and not the world's glory. Of God's glory and not the flesh glory. What are you going to do? Choose. Either or. Choose. Here, here. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Matthew chapter 27, verse 27 to 31. Benji, you have it? No, not the verse. The video. You got it? Yeah? Okay, put it. I'm going to read the verse. I want you guys to look at this. I want you guys to look at this. Matthew chapter 27, verse 27 to 31. Then the governor's soldier, start listening to me until the video comes up. Then the governor's soldier took Jesus and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. The whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand, in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. And they took the staff and struck him in the head again and again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And they led him away to crucify him. The crown of thorns was a mockery. The crown of thorns was a joke. The crown of thorns was evil. Was the representation of evil. The way that those men, what those men did to Jesus. It was a mockery and it was a joke. Not only to Jesus, but to Jesus' purpose and identity. The crown of thorn was a mockery to Jesus' purpose and identity. See, get that stuck in your head. It was a mockery to Jesus' purpose and to his identity. What was Jesus' identity? Jesus is the king. Oh, my God. Jesus is the king. Matthew chapter 27, verse 11, before they do all this to him, he's standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate and all these Romans look at him and tell him, are you the king of the Jews? And he looks at them and says, you have said so, even though he knew that that was going to get him in trouble. That was his identity. That was who he was supposed to be, and he was not going to deny it or turn it over in front of threats. He was going to stick by it. Revelations chapter 19, verse 16 is so cool. You can just imagine this. I want you to mental picture on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. On his robe and on his thigh. I never read it like that. Pastor said it today. Inside and out on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. That is on him. That is him, the king of kings and the lord of lords.
age. That is his identity. That was his identity. That is his identity. And that will be his identity. You got to be dead to listen to a guy say that that was his identity, a king. That is his identity, a king. And that will be his identity, our king. That is him. That is him. They challenge Jesus' identity by putting this crown of thorns in his head. They question his identity. They question him being king. They mock him, thinking that he's a king, telling him that he was not a king. He has been the king, people. He has been the king. That's who he is. That's what he does. And then they challenge his purpose. By putting that on him, by putting the crown of thorns on him, they challenge his purpose. Let me tell you what Jesus' purpose was. There's many, obviously, there's many things that Jesus did. And everybody's going to have a different interpretation of what Jesus did. I'm going to tell you what I know that he did, what the Bible mentions and states clearly why Jesus came. And it all surrounds around this one word that I want you to say with me. It all surrounds. The reason that Jesus came all revolves around this one word that is provision. Say with me provision. Say with me provision. It all revolves. His trip here to earth, him dying, revolves around provision. Never kind of not tonight. It revolves around provision. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you three of the main things that Jesus came here to do. You guys ready? If you're with me, clap once. Come on, show me some love, church. Clap twice. Let's go. Here are the three major purposes. Number one, and I want you to say with me, grace. I want you to say with me louder, grace. Grace, one of the major reasons why Jesus came. And remember that it all surrounds around grace. It is the provision of grace. He provided grace by him coming and dying in the cross for us. And Romans chapter 6 verse 14 states that clearly, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. But under grace. This is one of the major reasons that Jesus came, but he is so awesome, and God is so wonderful that with Jesus' trip here to earth, God is holy. Let me put it in. It's super simple for you. God is holy, perfect. You are not. Oh, yes, I am. Hold on. Yes, I am. Hold on. He's holy. You are not, so you cannot go to him. You don't have access to him. Too good, baby. Too good for you. It's like the lounge when you go to the airport and you see all those lounges right on the top and you see the, the, the crystal and they're all like freaking eating lasagna. When you walk through the airport and you see first class, you want to you commit suicide right there and then. Like what the heck is wrong with my life? You're walking down and they're eating all this stuff with towels in their face. They can pretty much like lay down and, and flip if they want to. Those first classes like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Woo, woo you walk down and you're in freaking economy and you're like let me just put my chair back let me just oh yeah ah ah they gave me a pillow and everything put the tray down Sometimes they're too close that your head won't, don't, won't, won't feel comfortable completing the tray. So you're in a 90 degree on the tray. You can't do this. You got to be like, <laughs> do that. You hit the person behind you. They start raising their hand. 
You know who he is? It's too good. God's too good. You can't sit in first class. First class is his class. You're in the bathroom. You can't get access to him. You can't. You're, you're a sinner. Sinners are not allowed in first class. And so what Jesus does, <laughs> and so what Jesus does, comes down, pays all the first class tickets, and now everybody can sit in first class. Is that easy? Is that good? He pays them. And like, boom, here, sit in first class. Sit in first class. He allows you. He gives you access to come to God, to come and sit in first class with the holiest holy. He gives you that access. He gives you that opportunity. But you know why he's so awesome? You know why he's so much better than anything ever in your life? If you're on church and you're here, you know why it's so awesome, everything? Because even though he gives it, he provides it and doesn't force it. He's so good that he creates a large plane, and anybody can sit in first class. Oh, anybody can sit in first class, but some people decide to walk all through first class and seeing people rolling, but because they're so stubborn and so stupid, they sit in economy. He gave you first class, but he won't force you. If you feel comfortable in economy, go sit in economy, and he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't force you. He doesn't do nothing. However, when the trumpets sound, those of you that are sitting on economy. Because everybody likes to preach the good part. Nobody preaches that the clock is ticking and when it ends, it ends. And where you were sitting, you will die. You will live there. Nobody says that part. It will end. I'm not trying to scare you. If you want to sit in economy, go ahead. Baby, I got my first class. I'm good. You sit over there. Go for it. Are you encouraging me? You make your own decision. I can give you advice. You make your own decision. That's why an eye church is so awesome. We don't force you because God doesn't force you. Why should we? God doesn't force you. He gives it as a provision, and you decide to either grab grace and apply it to your life because for the work of the Savior to work, you must acknowledge the Savior. A Savior that you think that never existed cannot come to you. A Savior that you think that is not real cannot save you if it is not real. It can only save those who believe that it is real, who know that it is real. Bring grace to them. By dying, he arose. Listen to this, because this is going to come back later. You're going to like it. By dying, he arose, and he set into motion. Do this with me, motion. He set into motion. For some reason, every time I think of motion, I think of a big barrel with butter in it, and you're just like, he set into motion, and then the butter just keeps on flowing. He's setting it into motion. Look at the number. Look at the number two thing. Say with me, number two. Come on, church. You guys say with me, number two. Don't discourage me, man. I'm, I'm giving my heart. Say with me, number two. Thank you, thank you. Number two, the second thing that we know He came to give us, which is the most obvious that everybody knows, salvation. He came to give us salvation. We were doomed to death. We were doomed. By Him coming, He created the first class. Not only that, now he gave you permission to come in the first class. But it's up to you to acknowledge it. It is up to you to run to it, to receive it. John chapter 3, verse 16. Come on, y'all know that. Most of you know that. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know it? (laughs) For God so loved the world so much. He loves it. He loves it. He gave his only son so that anybody that can believe may not be lost, but may have access into eternity. That's the second thing he does with coming here. And look at the third thing. Look at the third thing. After he granted provision, number three, 
Thank you. Number three, freedom. He gave you freedom by coming here on earth. Galatians chapter five, verse one says it the clearest. I've never, 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 never heard something so clear. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The provision again. Jesus came and he provided grace. He provided salvation. He provided freedom. But it is up to us to go and receive that freedom and embrace that freedom. So here's my pre-conclusion. That's it. That's all you want to teach us. That is all I wanted to teach you. Here's my pre-conclusion. Some of you got onto it. That's the pre-conclusion. Yeah. Pre-conclusion and the conclusion. Relax. Relax. His sacrifice created iChurch. I'm going to say that again because, again, I don't want you to look at the surface. I want you to think a little bit deeper. His sacrifice, his provision created iChurch. You know what the crown of thorns means? You know what the crown of thorns is? It's the mixture of his sacrifice and his majesty and glory. His crown of thorns is the mixture of his sacrifice and suffering in pain, but it's still a crown that proves his majesty and his glory. It's a mixture of his sacrifice and his glory, his majesty. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this. Look at this. I'm about done. I'm about done. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters. How many? Many sons and daughters to glory. To where? By bringing them to glory, which was the the praise of the capability. By him bringing you shows that he is capable and he deserves the praise. By bringing you into his glory. Bringing you, look, by bringing you into glory. It was fitting that God... And this is like a parenthesis. Don't get confused. It was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, it was fitting that through him that everything exists should make, listen, make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. I don't know if you got it. Through what he suffered suffered. This is deep, man. And I'm trying to explain this, and it's too deep. But I know you can get it because you're not dumb. You listen. It was through his salvation. God, this is what that verse is saying. God creates everything, has everything, and wants to go and bring them to his glory. Wants to go and bring them and grant them salvation. But to do that, there needs to be a savior. And he comes and becomes a savior to get the glory through the suffering. Becomes the savior in this world to get the glory through his suffering. Little did they know. Little did they know. You know why he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They legitimately did not know what they were doing. 
By them putting that crown of thorns on his head. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says that they were perfecting the Savior who suffered through suffering. Perfecting the Savior so that he can come and bring us and show to us that he is capable. That he is capable. Goes and brings us. And he was made perfect through suffering, through everything that he suffered, through the crown. Little did they know. Idiots. They were idiots. Bringing glory to the world by challenging his purpose. They were challenging his identity with that cross. And they were actually perfecting him into the Savior. Giving him everything that was once prophesied to make him king. Everything that was wrong prophesized to make him king. What were the three things? Bear with me. What were the three things? Number one, grace. Number two, salvation. Number three, number three, freedom. Grace, salvation, and freedom. Grace, salvation, and freedom. Grace, salvation, and freedom. Grace, salvation, and freedom. Here we go. Let's end this. Some of you will get it. Some of you will not. If one of you gets it, then it's all good. That's all that I came here for. I need one of you to center with me. Stay with me. Grace, salvation, and freedom. The crown of thorns. The crown of thorns that was once put on the Savior to make a joke out of him. That was once put on the Savior to challenge his identity. That was once an evil symbol of disrespect and unfaithfulness. The crown of thorns was what brought us grace, salvation, and freedom. The crown of thorns brought us grace, salvation, and freedom. The crown of thorns that was once an evil symbol. Jesus put it on his head. Jesus came and received the whip and received the challenges and received the beat up because what Jesus wanted to do was come down here and the crown of thorns represents that Jesus was here to inspire people, grace, to help people, salvation, and to break bondage, freedom. And it was all for his glory. It was all for his glory. Jesus was here to inspire first class. Jesus was here to give you access to first class, to give you salvation, to help people, and to break bondage, to make you free because you've been on the floor, held down by the devil for way too long. For way too long. He's been capable because you have not accepted your Savior. He's been capable because you have not given full power and full authority of your life to that Savior. To our Savior. 
So we end this sermon the same way that we begin. We end this sermon the same way that we started. Either or. Either or. Choose ye whom you will serve. Either glorify the world by staying put in the ground while the devil holds your neck. Either glorify the world by throwing away all the talents and all the gifts that he gave you from the minute that you were born because you were made to glorify God. How can something worthless glorify God? You're not worthless. You have so much to give. You have so much to do. So much inside of you. That God wants you to use to glorify him. But either choose you if those talents and those gifts will glorify the world because of the way that you're living the life. If those gifts will challenge his identity and put a thorn on his head. Or as for me, my kid, my grandkid, and my great-grandkid. I don't know how many people would choose to bow down and praise God. But as for me, my kid, my grandkid, and my great-grandkid, whenever he's three years old and he's standing on this altar, the same way that I stand on my altar with my little alfalfa hair standing up and a microphone with a throat that comes from my mom that as soon as I say hello, it goes out. Either me and that kid with his alfalfa hair and his messed up throat and his great-grandkid and his great-great-grandkid, we will serve the Lord. Because either or we will bring glory to God. This is I church, and we will bring glory to God. Welcome to the place that inspires. Welcome to the place that helps. Welcome to the place that breaks bondage. And welcome to the place that does every single one of those things for his glory. For his glory. This is for you, God. Come on. This is for you, God. Welcome to the place. Chris. Welcome to the place. That inspires people. Help people. Break bondage. For his glory. What was once. A symbol. Of disgrace. What once. Challenged. My God. What once challenged my Jesus and his purpose and his identity. Today, 2,000 years later, we proudly 
lift up and wear in our chest what you did. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. Grace, salvation, inspiration, breaking bondage. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. So now we sing proudly and with honor and with all of our strength. We sing. Come on, church. Are you ready? Lift it up. Lift it up. Come on. 